When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and it is a post-game show. Finally, it's finally a victorious post-game show. It's been a while. The Steelers snapped their four-game skid by beating Tom Brady and the boys at Akershore Stadium 20-18. to What a weird final score, but the Steelers find a way to win. It doesn't matter how they win. Joining me, as always, in the post-game show, Brian Davis. What's up, Brian? Oh, feeling groovy. And to quote Bobby Brown, you know it. Yeah, yeah, you know it. <laughs> I did not have uh, quoting Bobby Brown in the introduction on my bingo <laughs> chart, but uh, there you go. Dave Schofield, what's up, Dave? All right, I think it's official. Brian Anthony Davis and I now have to, every week, go to pick the Steelers on the preview and then change our pick in the article after the last injury report comes out because you're like, oh, man, that's secondary. Man, that's secondary. We'll get into it. But, man, flying high, ready to go. Yes, uh, this was a complete team victory. I did not change my pick. I stuck with the 26-23 prediction, wasn't too far off, and uh, just uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So there you go. Uh, We do have some Super Chats filing in here. We'll get those on the screen. Tyler W. gives us $5, says he who laughs last, laughs the loudest. Tomlin beating Brady in their last matchup is sweet revenge. Goodbye. Good riddance. I have learned enough to know not to say that this was the last time that Tom Brady will ever play the Pittsburgh Steelers again. 
Uh, as Brian said on the preview, he is a cyborg. I'm sure they'll just give him some more oil and he'll continue to play for another 10 years and they'll play him again. So I'm, but this feels great right now for multiple levels. I mean, multiple reasons, not just breaking the streak, beating Tom Brady, doing it at home. The Steelers had not started 0 3 at home in a really long time. Dave, what were you going to say? A victory without TJ Watt. <laughs> oh, yeah. We broke that. They finally did it. I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's fantastic. I just, I can't believe I didn't think about that. Okay, but hey. I got one too. Go ahead, Brian. Touchdown on their first possession. Yeah. Yeah. Was it the first? Yeah, it was. That hasn't happened in a long, long time. Well, they they hadn't had a first quarter touchdown, offensive touchdown, since since it was Mitch Trubisky in week 10 against the Lions last year when Brian was sitting in the stands. Well, actually, uh, yeah, I, I, Really don't remember Mitch Trubisky throwing that touchdown. Oh, oh sorry. I'm Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mason Rudolph. Wrong, wrong Steelers, not starting quarterback for this game. <laughs> yes, for sure. I just want to say something. We're going to do knee-jerk reactions. Mine is that if you were bringing the, the heat at the Steelers during this four-game skid, you got to be at least be able to give props when it's due. Like If you don't say that, that Mike Tomlin and the defensive coaching staff don't deserve a lot of credit for being able to do what they did against Tom Brady with those offensive weapons, I, I, I then you're just not seeing the other side of the coin. And sometimes you have to be able to say, you know what? I might not like the guy, but he sure as heck did a great job this week. And Mike Tomlin deserves some credit, although he does deserve some blame too. Uh, we'll get to that with some clock management issues uh, right at the end of the first half. But Brian, let's go over some knee-jerk reactions. What is your knee-jerk reaction? My knee-jerk reaction was, you see? And the reason why it was you see, because a lot of people had them going 1-16 and and drafting number one. And we talked about this on these shows. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win some games this season that you don't expect. Jeff, you said it the other day. They're they're going to win at least one in these next three. And they won the first one of the three, which is a pretty big deal. So my question to everybody is this. Are you happy they won? Or are you bummed that now that they're a little bit farther away from that number one draft pick? Because it is week six. And that's a long season to go. And this movie's been shown before at one and four and putting yourself in position to go to the playoffs. Not saying it's going to happen. All I'm saying is that when we count them out, us fans, media, whoever we are, when we do that, well, they're not counting themselves out because those 53 hearts beating in the locker room and all those guys in the coaching staff all the way to the ticket takers, the peanut vendors, they believe a whole lot more sometimes on what's going on because they're in the building. Good stuff, Dave. Need your reaction. Go ahead. Ooh, just the ability of the defense to all together, the players that are out there, there's typical starters, the players that were having to be thrust into action because of the starters being injured, the, the coaches, everything. They brought together that game. Now, were there still things that frustrated you? Yes. Did you see that Tom Brady was specifically throwing the ball wherever Robert Spillane was on on defense? Yes. Was it a perfect game? It's never a perfect game. But you know what? It's a victory. And that's what makes it perfect to us right now. Yeah. And and to answer Brian's question, I have way too much time, energy invested into this team to ever want them to lose. Yeah. Ever. 
Um, I mean, I, there's a reason I never pick against the team. It's not because uh, yes, I am a Homer, but also I can always somehow find a way for me to figure out that, that they're going to win somehow, some way it might. Sometimes it looks like it did today at Acrisure stadium with some electric returns by Steven Sims, a defense that was standing tall, even though unbelievably undermanned, you just find a way. I'm always going to root for this team to win. I could care less. I couldn't care less. There you go. I haven't fixed <laughs> Thank it you. for you. I haven't fixed it for you. Yes. I won't do that on Let's Ride, but I'll do it here. Okay, I'll do it here. All right, let's get some super chats here. David Lachlan gives us $5. His big time win in spite of Matt Canada and extremely thin defense. Hashtag here we go. Thank you, David. We appreciate it. Uh, oh, man, my thing is refreshed. Now nah, we go. Here we go. I got it. Tom Muir gives us $2, a dollar for each W. Finally beat Brady. Hope KP8 is okay. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, here we go. By Evgeny Crosby, $1.99. Where was this Trubisky to start the season? I tell you, it's different when a quarterback's coming in off the bench. It really is. That was part of the reason with Kenny Pickett being a rookie. I didn't want him to be the guy off the bench in case of an injury to the first few weeks of the season if the Steelers didn't want to do it that way. That I thought, hey, have guys that have done it before. I even said to Jeff during the game, I might have even felt more comfortable in this situation if it would have been Mason Rudolph coming in because we've seen that with the Steelers before. But it didn't look good to start. And then there was the the the, the long conversion or the longer conversion to George Pickens. And then there was the free play, long pass play to Connor Hayward. And it just seemed that that's when Mitch Trubisky's like, okay, now let's get this rolling. Let's do this. And it still wasn't perfect. Some still questionable play calling stuff. But man, Mitch Trubisky jumping on the fumble, yeah, running the ball at the end. He, he, he did what he needed to do to get the Steelers the victory. Hey, give credit where credit is due. We, we all three of us, myself included, I might have been the most vocal uh, person to challenge Mitch Trubisky and say, I think he should be benched and all that stuff. I'm going to give him credit for getting the job done. Yeah. This was not a situation where he came in and they said, Mitch, we got a big lead. Just don't lose it. He had to go down and make plays. And he did that with huge third down conversions. I believe three in the fourth quarter, two to chase Claypool were just yeah. phenomenal. Three that were more than 10 yards. Yeah. You're Guess right. what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans are saying right now? Man, what's wrong with this team? They can never stop a team when they have third and long. You know, it yeah. happens all the time in the NFL. The Steelers offense just don't do it enough. But, man, did they do it today in the fourth quarter. Let's get Dave Dixon super chat up on the screen. $5. Thank you, Dave. He said, go Steelers. Really happy for Chase and Mitch. Joby made a big impact today, too. Larry was great. Pittsburgh beat the GOAT. Thanks, BTSC. No, thank you, Dave. Uh, all right, let's talk injuries quickly. Uh, Mike Tomlin, after the game, he said what we all knew, that is that Kenny Pickett is officially in the NFL's concussion protocol, which means that his weekly participation is going to be in question. Also, his availability next week in Miami will be in question. So we'll have to see how that goes. Players have come back from concussion after a week. Sometimes they don't, i.e. Pat Farmuth last week, Levi Wallace. We will see that's not going to happen. Nothing's going to be said until the first practice on Wednesday. Mike Tomlin might say, well, he's progressing well, but that's about all he could say. I mean, they don't know. So we'll see how that goes. Um, other than that, injuries, Larry Ogunjobi left but was able to return. Miles Jack with an ankle. Uh, I think they said that uh, James Pierre had a stinger. Yeah. Uh, that was at the very end of the game. And the last injury of note, I think, well, they didn't mention Mason Cole with the foot. He was able to come back after they leaving. They taped it up and he came back in, so they yes. didn't mention it. Yes. Yeah, so, um, something he's dying to say. Right, Brian, did I miss <laughs> yeah. one? 
No, no you, oh, you did no, it. You got them all. I have the list here. But one thing about the uh, Kenny Pickett situation, watching it, you know, they're going to play Miami next week. And because of the Tua Tonga Viola situation, you know, teams are going to probably be looking at that quarterback with a fine tooth comb right now, you know, going through it to make sure on concussions, because that is a, ma a major story here. And when you were talking about players that have come back with concussions, I almost, as a joke, just threw in, well, Tua, but, you know, this organization is going to be very diligent on not rushing him back. Uh, something to keep in mind here, folks. You know, I, I know some people are comparing the picket concussion with with Cameron Bray. Cameron Bray left with a neck injury, uh, not necessarily a concussion. That was why he was carted off the field. A little bit different. But Dave, go ahead. What do you want to yeah, say? Yeah, and he and he was coming out off of having a concussion as well. Yes. Um, I would not be shocked. I'm just saying we'll see how they play it out. But one of the things that really helped this Steelers team this week, Jeff said it to me when the game started was that these secondary guys, they had all the reps all week because Sutton, Witherspoon, Fitzpatrick, they didn't practice at all. And it was a really big deal to have them out there and doing all that the whole time. You might want to consider that with your quarterback situation. If you're thinking, do you really want a rookie going through the protocol and can't practice all week and then coming in to start on Sunday, I would not be shocked if the Steelers say, hey, we are going to go with, with Mitch Trubisky so that way we don't have to rush Kenny Pickett through the code protocol and everything. If they announce that on Tuesday, it wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me. I'm not saying it's what they should do. They should you know, get, get everything the medical experts telling him everything that's going on. But to me, if it's going to be a question mark of whether or not he's going to be able to, to come through, that it's different than when it was Ben Roethlisberger, when you know he could not practice all week and still come in and, and be Ben Roethlisberger. It's not that, that situation. So don't be surprised if the Steelers make a decision based on the unknown availability. Well, let, let me ask this question to Brian, and then Dave, I'll let you chime in as well. If, if deemed healthy and, and Kenny Pickett is medically cleared to play, is there any quarterback uh, controversy in your opinion? Not whatsoever. All right. Dave, you agree? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. If it's true health, I mean, if he's truly healthy, no. It's Kenny Pickett's job and Mitch Trubisky's job to make sure that if he goes down and he needs – he's in the bullpen. He needs to come in to bail you out, and he proved he could do it. So there yeah. you go. Dave, you agree or disagree? Yeah, well, but remember, the Steelers were supposed to trade both Trubisky and Rudolph now that Pickett was starting because they, they only needed one quarterback on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But no, the, the, now you see the value in having multiple players. I mean, and, and if Kenny Pickett's not the starter next week, don't even have him have him inactive if, if he's not going to be good enough to go. Um, just... That, that's just how I'm feeling now when it comes to the NFL with the with head injuries. Um, because the last thing you want to do is for if he's not good enough to be your starter, well, unless they did exactly what I said, which is, hey, we don't know if he's going to be available, so we're going to have Mitch be the starter. Then that's a whole different story. Um, I guess I I contradicted myself there and talked myself out of it. So sorry about that. Um, but the big thing is, is it's not about week seven as much as it's a big, important game for the Steelers. It's about... Uh, Kenny Pickett in the rest of 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, and hopefully much longer beyond. I, I do want to say this. I feel like it's very important. Everyone is trying to draw these comparisons and connecting dots between Kenny Pickett's concussion and Tua or Teddy Bridgewater or any number of players that get concussed on a weekly basis. 
anyone that's gone through any form of formal training with concussions knows not every concussion is the same. Uh, it's just like every hamstring pull is not the same. I am not comparing a brain injury to a hamstring. I'm just saying an injury. You don't know. No one knows unless they're actually the ones that are looking at Kenny Pickett, talking with him, talking about, you know, the, the symptoms that he's experiencing at the time. If he comes back, you have to trust that the Steelers medical staff followed every single NFL protocol and change to the protocol that's now intact. And they are not going to put a guy out there that could potentially further harm himself. So let's make that very clear right now. All right. Okay. Enough of that. Let's get right into the, the stats here. We, as we always do, we start with a quarterback position, Pittsburgh Steelers, Mitch Trubisky finishes nine of 12 for 144 yards, 12 yard average, one touchdown. He was sacked once a 142.4 rating. Compare that to Kenny Pickett, 11 of 18 for only 67 yards, 3.7 average, did throw a touchdown pass to Najee Harris, was sacked once for 12 with an 87 rating. Total, those up 20 of 30, 193, seven-yard average, two touchdowns, no picks, two sacks, 109.2. What would you think of the quarterback? What's up, Dave? Technically 211 before you subtract the the sacks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, what do you, uh, Brian, what did you think about the quarterback play? I like the quarterback play today. There's other things I did not like. I thought the quarterbacks were handcuffed a good bit in this game. Trubisky was less handcuffed, and I kind of like to I like to have seen that. I uh, I felt like Kenny was held back a little bit in this game because there were a lot of uh, rushing rushing plays when sometimes you need to you know take the top off of the defense. But with that, you know. Was Kenny perfect when he was in? No, but he was he was decent. Dave, what are your thoughts on the quarterback situation? Or not well, the situation, but the play. Well, I, I I gotta be honest with you. I also liked Kenny Pickett two rushes for sixteen yards and Mitch Trubisky six carries. What uh, was it? Two or three that were kneel downs uh, for five yeah. yards. That they they added that to it. I I feel the the way to best say about the quarterback play is that it was it was above adequate in other words they did what they needed to do i'm still frustrated kind of like what what brian's saying like come on why is it they go down they score a touchdown their opening drive of the game something they haven't done for so long and that second drive was just another big letdown it was and i'm not and as someone who used to call plays i i'm, I'm one who gives the offensive quarter uh, a big coordinator a big bigger benefit of the doubt than i probably should and i was getting frustrated with that even though the steelers were winning it's just bring it bring it together i i feel like they did what they need to do the most frustrating thing to me and it's going to get lost because of kenny pickett going out is kenny pickett having to look over to the sidelines which he should be looking up to the press box and going like this get the freaking play in so he's not getting up to the line of scrimmage with eight seconds left and having to snap it real quick and taking a huge sack because they can't really adjust anything because the play is taking forever to, to get in. So sorry, I kind of went off on that, but that had to do with the quarterback play. Well, I think when you look at the quarterback situation, you're now starting to see if you look at it from an outsider's perspective and not just, you know, staring at just the quarterback position, the quarterbacks themselves, is that the Steelers can never seem to get out of their own way at times. Yeah. Whether it is a 90-yard Steven Sims kickoff return, and then, like Dave just mentioned, it seems like they're late to get the play call in. 
And you're wondering what is going on. Like, how are you not ready for this? You should have had play scripted. Now I understand you're expecting a touchback and you're going to start at the 25 and you have a whole script of plays that, that changes. You're in the red zone. Come on. We're, we're professionals here. You got to be ready. Or if it's Kevin Dotson with a myriad of penalties, it seems to happen every single game where you complete a pass, you have a decent run. And right when you think they're getting some mojo going, some rhythm, they get pushed back. So I feel like this is a systemic thing and it starts at the coordinator level. And yes, it even bleeds down into the players and their play on the field. It's just, there are times where they just cannot get out of their own way. And that does impact the quarterbacks, which is what we're talking about here. Nonetheless, quarterback play. I think Dave or Brian said it was good enough to get the win. Those huge conversions by Mitch Trubisky are what highlight the quarterback play. In my opinion, this week, I'll get this super chat here. Nathan Smith gives us a dollar 99 there's no way the NFL lets him play in Miami after Tua. I get it. There's optics at the same time. If the Steelers and their medical staff follow everything and he passes those tests, he could play this week. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Is it likely? No. Is it a possibility? Sure. All right, let's talk about the running attack at the Steelers. They carry for 77 yards, and that's with Steven Sims having a minus five on his one lone carry. 77 total yards, they averaged 2.7, 29 carries with a long of 14, which was Najee Harris. Najee Harris finished 14 of 42, three-yard average. Kenny Pickett, two for 16. Dave mentioned that. Chase Claypool, one for eight. Deontay Johnson, two runs for eight. Trubisky, six for five. Jalen Warren, two for two. They were really, even George Pickens got a carry in this game for one yard. They were really hitting the jet sweeps early and often, but still not a lot of success on the ground. Brian, what do you think about the running attack? Terrible. Not good at all. You know, Dave mentioned the fact that Kenny bailed, bailed them out with a couple of runs. And when you take 16 right there from Kenny off of that, that seven, that 77, and you think you had jet sweeps in there and you should have Harris going along with Jalen Warren, you know, that was not a good running game. Dave thoughts on the running game there when you needed it. The Steelers got the ball with more than four and a half minutes left in the game and through nice third down conversions and still getting some nice run plays here and there, and you know, including by the quarterback, they never gave the ball back to Tom Brady. They needed when they needed the run to come through, it did. Now, the one play that that we kind of missed. Because it was a not that we missed it, but man, they gave us a terrible angle on Fox. That was ridiculous. But you said it, Jeff, on that one. If they, you know, you're everyone knows you're going to run the ball, just line up and run it rather than trying to do something fancy there uh, with, with that run. But I mean, that one was for a loss, but otherwise, they finished off the game. So that's the one thing I would say is a good with with the run game. But what I also like was that they didn't constantly force it when it wasn't working early in the game. When you think about that last drive that you mentioned, and this ties into the running game, I think Najee Harris rips off an eight-yard run, uh, or no, seven-yard run on first down. It's second and three, second and two, something like that. And then what happens? Mason Cole throws Mitch Trubisky a ground ball back in the shotgun mm -hmm. formation he has to scramble back and then they have to complete a third and 16 i think Damn. that's what i'm talking about with this offense not being able to get out of their own way like that's not on that's not on the, the coordinator it's not on the quarterback it's just a bad play they have these brain farts periodically throughout the game from the coordinator level on down to the players and it is an absolute killer 
And if this team's going to be a contender in any game, not season wide, not division, not conference in a game, you got to eliminate some of that stuff. I mean, just, you just can't kill yourself. It's awful, but the running game, you still want to see more. I mean, it just never seemed like they gave it a real legitimate shot. In my opinion, uh, Najee Harris, 14 carries Jalen Warren two, 16 carries by your running backs. Like, is that really giving it a chance to develop and get some type of rhythm? And no, I don't, but I also so. don't want them to keep handing the ball off if it's no. not working just for the sake to try to get into the rhythm. But I mean, you've got to say that that last drive started with an eight yard run on first down by, by Najee Harris on that second play. That was the fumble that, the the, the forced it all the way back to a third and, you know, from second and two to third and 15. Just imagine if he only gets two yards on that first run, <laughs> you know, then you're looking at third and 21. So the, it was a combination of things there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's go to the receiving core. Not a lot of people with catches this game, which is not, not typical for the Steelers chase Claypool. He leads the team seven catches on seven targets, did not have a pass targeted to him that he didn't catch. 96 yard, it's a 13.7 average and a touchdown, the first touchdown of a Steelers receiver this season, and a long of 26. Connor Hayward comes in second with two catches on three targets for 49 yards, and that long of 45 on the broken play when they are free play, I should say. Deontay Johnson, five catches on seven targets for 28 yards. George Pickens, three for 27 on six targets. Najee Harris, two for seven. He did have a receiving touchdown on three targets. And Zach Gentry, one for four. Let's talk about the pass catchers. Brian, what were your thoughts? You know, on my fan duel today, I had Chase Claypool. Nice. And the reason I bring that up is I jumped back on the uh, Chase Claypool bandwagon. I don't think I was ever completely off of it. But last week, I was like, why are we throwing Chase Claypool under the bus here when Deontay Johnson had a bad game last week. And I really thought he played with heart last week. He's fighting. And today it really showed he, he looked like a number one receiver out there today. You know, when you listen to the Mike Tomlin press conference, his exact words were he was good today, but he's not going to give him way too much credit. And there's a good reason for that because he's trying to keep chase Claypool grounded while getting him off and running all at the same time. So I love Chase Claypool. I thought the other guys caught balls when they needed to. Were there any drops today? We won't get those advanced well, stats until at least I'm trying tomorrow. to think if there would be anything that would even be deemed a drop. I can't think of that. that I, I can't think, think of. of a pass it, it that didn't seem like it. was catchable that they did not bring in yet. It, it, it seemed like they were on point. You know, not a lot of... When not a lot of balls are thrown your way, that's one thing. But the fact that, you know, I'll take 27 yards from Deontay Johnson if he's if he's making clean catches. Yeah. And and he continues to make great catches and drop easy ones. He didn't do it today, though. That's the great thing. Yeah. Dave, what are your thoughts on the pass catchers? I I thought that they did what they need to do, and that is don't compile those little things that hold you back. There was enough other little things that holds the, that can hold the offense back, like a bad snap, like a, like a 
sack because um, when the clock's running down and you have to snap it or really should have been a delay of game, things of that nature. The last thing you can then afford to do is have your, have your quarterbacks go back, make a play, make a throw and the receiver not come down with it. They came down with them today. The balls that were catchable, they caught. They did a nice job. Yeah, I, I thought that this game was a, a game where you don't really think back. Yes, you thought of big plays being made, whether it's Deontay Johnson had a couple big catches, uh, conversions, Chase Claypool obviously having a huge game. I didn't really think back and think, man, they really, but the pass catchers really screwed the Steelers. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Now let's talk about the offensive line here. The Steelers, uh, they did have three sacks. I'm sorry, two sacks on the day, one of Trubisky, one of Kenny Pickett. I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback hits, only two. Two yep, quarterback hits. One of them was the one that probably labeled con- Kenny Pickett concussed, which was also a holding call, which was a completed pass to Deontay Johnson. I guess Dodson didn't hold him well enough. That <laughs> no, that that play didn't count. That and would right, have been right, a quarterback right, okay, hit, so that, but right, because yeah. of the penalty, it didn't. It because their two sacks were the only two quarterback hits. That okay. would have been the third one, but it doesn't count in the stat book because of the penalty. So when you think about the running game and the pass pro, Brian, what did you think about the offensive line? I thought they protected both Kenny and Mitch decently. I I did not think there were too many pl- uh, flaws in the game. I will say that uh, if we're looking at, we're talking about pass protection, that's one thing. I got to bring it up. Dotson had a horrendous day today, and I hope he could pick himself up af- after this game. But I look, did you have any problem with Dan Moore Jr.? I'm not hearing his name called. You having any problem with with Chooks? I uh, I think there was uh, one time I heard him mentioned in a negative way, and I think that that was it. Uh, yeah, uh, that's Dan Moore. Didn't hear his name at all. Yeah. That's a good thing. Dave, what about you with the offensive line? Yeah, there was. It's really all about Dotson is the is the main thing. Uh, you could have said you maybe heard about James Daniels on that on that bad sack as the as I keep talking about when the play clock was running down, that guys were running free right at, at Kenny Pickett. They were trying to change the play with no time on the clock to change the play. You could see by the way it was he reacted. James Daniels was going out like it was a screen pass. That play was just a disaster from the beginning. From and, and to me, I, I lay it on not getting it in in time to get to the line and actually do what you need to do based on what's going on. You have one, you have one player, one guy on the offensive line blocking one way, another thinking it's a screen pass and moving out, letting the guy go. That wasn't a bad block. That was a terrible miscommunication of what play they were actually running. But other than that, it really did come down to the the multiple pen- penalties on Kevin Dotson. He was the guy that didn't come out for the field goal, and they had to burn a timeout. So that's that's very concerning. I would love for that to just be chalked up to nothing more but a bad game. But he hasn't been having good games. You know, it's it, you got to get back to the attention to detail. Um, a, but unfortunately, I don't really want to see a next man up in that scenario because I don't think it gets any better for him. No, I wouldn't think so. But the offensive line, I, I'm glad Brian said something. I was going to say it is if he didn't, and that is, you know, there's a lot of players that you didn't hear any any talk about, and that's a good thing. You don't want to hear your ta- your tackles being a, a talking point after a game. It's never good. It's it's always Dan Moore looked like a turnstile, or Chooks couldn't do anything to save his life. So it's a good thing. All right. Any other thoughts on the offense before we go to the defense, Brian? I'll start with you. I was pleased 
I did not love the play calling. And I don't know if that comes up later in the show in coaching, but the offense. Oh, do it now. Play, do it now. The offensive play calling, gentlemen, that I thought, man, I thought they blew the game at the end of that half. I thought that could have, I was thinking already. I was, I was thinking about Dave Schofield. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jeff didn't have to point. think about it. He got to hear the whole earful. Yeah. I was yep. like, there's Dave Schofield's turning point because what you don't realize after the show, he's going to say, Hey, five turning points when they lose. And thank goodness we don't have to do that today. But that was one of those situations where you're like, here we go again. Mike Tomlin mentioned the press conference, Brady, Brady, when Brady's on the field, you know, when he, when Brady walks it, walks on that field, he kept on saying when Brady comes to town, he was talking about Brady, you know, Brady, you know, three points. That's easy for him to get. And they got the ball back at one point, And then they have to punt again in no time whatsoever. And they're still running. And is that, a lack of uh, confidence and, or is that putting handcuffs on Kenny Pickett? That's when I mentioned handcuffs earlier, that's what I was talking about. Or you just, I mean, not letting him just afraid he's going to make a mistake in that situation. You can't do that to a, a quarterback. Let him, let him throw the football. Let him, because you're so at this right at that point, you're so predictable. Tampa knew exactly what was going on. Dave, thoughts on the uh, offense or coaching staff from the offensive well, side of the ball? Well, because Brian had to bring up the coaching and everything, oh, we we, we of course really broke down what happened, you know, at the at the end of the first half there, and it wasn't the Steelers' final possession; it was the one before that. It was the one outside of two minutes. You don't have to run up. A, a, run up to the line and snap the ball really quick. Even though, oh, you only got, got one time out outside of the two-minute warning. You could have taken your time there. You needed to run one play before the two-minute warning because you got to think about, hey, what do I want to do coming out of this if it's going to be third down? That would have been the perfect regrouping time. You just say, you slow it down. Hey, get to the line, slow it down, snap the ball. I mean, I mean, Canada should have still been able to talk to Pickett because there was still so much time left on, 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 the, on the play clock when they snapped that because they ran it so fast. Instead of just running one last play before the two-minute warning, they, they had two incompletions, a punt, and Tampa ran a play. When it should have just been one more play to, because that's the last thing you want to do is give too much time on the clock. And with two minutes left and a timeout, you still have enough time for your offense. Uh, that that one was a little bit frustrating. And it ultimately, the way it all played out, ended up costing them three points. But So you don't want those kind of things to, to, to get swept under the rug just because they came through with a win. But overall for the offense, it's there's – it's still not nearly as tight as it needs to be, but they were able to, I'm just still so excited about how they were able to overcome some of those plays that in the past were complete drive killers. Granted, there were still some plays that were drive killers, penalties, negative plays, you know, being behind the sticks, but it's, as you said, those big three third down conversions that were over 10 yards in the fourth quarter was huge. So actually getting those things, which wasn't something that they were getting early in the season. 
So you, you see, though, to wrap up the offensive side of things before we head over to the defense, you see that the, how the Steelers are going to have to win football games. And at least right now, they're not going to win in a boat race. They're not going to outscore a bunch of teams. They need the defense. And I said this on my Let's Ride podcast before the season started. I said the rule of 20. You got to keep them off of 20, and the team might be able to win a game. But they did that. Shockingly, somehow, the defense kept them off of 20 only allowing 18 points. That's I still huge. don't know how they did it, but uh, it's not going to happen often in the NFL. That's the thing you talk about next week against Miami with Tua. You talk about the next week in Philly. I know we're going to take it one week at a time, but you look at what's ahead. The offense is going to have to start to try and match the defense. If they want to win some more football games, let's talk about the defense. Tom Brady. You, hold on. Wait, up? before what? we lose it, what? don't want to lose it. We got monster for the, for dollar 99 oh, super chat. He says, uh, so you're telling me there's a chance. Here we go. Thank you, That's Monster. Right. We appreciate it. <laughs> sure. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think we missed any other ones, though. Okay, good. Thank you yeah. for bringing that up. All right, let's go to the defense. Tommy Brady, uh, he finishes 25 of 40, 243 yards, six yards, 6.1 yard average, one touchdown, no interceptions, was sacked twice for 14 yards with an 87.8. Now, you have to throw in some of the past defenses that the Steelers had. The Steelers had four past defenses. Miles Jack with a big one. Malik Reed had the uh, tip on a pass, almost intercepted. Robert Spillane got his hand on one as well. And Alex Highsmith with a strip sack uh, that definitely would count as a pass defense, I believe. Um, does that count? No, I, think it, I think he got his hand on a different one. Oh, I'm okay. not sure. Very good. The, the, the strip sack counts as a sack. Yeah. Yeah. When you're looking at players like James Pierre, Arthur Millette, Josh Jackson, yes, Trey Norwood, yeah, you have Terrell Edmonds, who led the team in tackles with 10, six solo, one tackle for loss. Mm. And then you're throwing in Elijah Riley. You're talking about uh, all these players that are just literal no names outside of the Steelers fan base who happened to read behind the steel curtain.com and saw the article about Leal going to injured reserve and these players being promoted and being brought onto the active roster. Let's talk about the pass defense first. And you have to bring up the, the pass rush as well. Quarterback hits five for the Steelers. Cam Hayward had two Larry O had two uh, and uh, Alex Highsmith had one. So let's talk about the defense. Back end first, Brian, what are your thoughts about this patchwork defensive backfield? Phenomenal. I th there was another guy there uh, that was that you did not mention that I've never heard of. <laughs> I mean, I, I have heard of uh, on BTSC, but I, I think there was somebody else that was caught up from the practice squad. Are, are we missing somebody there? What you mean, Josh yeah. and Josh Jackson and Quincy Wilson? Quincy, Quincy Wilson. Wilson, that's who I was thinking. Yeah, I was like. Didn't he play for the West Virginia Mountaineers a long time ago? I mean, that's, uh, you know, back in 2003. But, you know, they were phenomenal. They did they did what they had to do. And, and Mike Tomlin said, yeah, I mean, we basically had to play to the strengths of those guys that were out there. I like how Dave mentioned that they did have a whole week to practice. And I think that really bodes well for that team because you saw what happened. Josh Jackson got thrown in the mix last week. I mean, like late thrown in the mix. And they played better football. And, you know, towards when you get to the third quarter of that game, I'm starting to think, all right, this is this is a legitimate good defense today. And I did not feel like it was all falling apart. Like 
and which is the potential. And we've seen that so many times with Tom Brady coming in and just tearing you up. And also, and we had a sneak preview of it in the uh, at the end of the half when they not a lot of time and at least got in, in field goal range. So fantastic. And I want to just talk about the defense in general, but throw over, go to the other side. Man, I'm I'm not I'm glad I'm not with uh, behind the Tampa curtain this week because <laughs> they're going to be talking. Fox Nation is the name of that website. Fox Nation. <laughs> They're, they're gonna be talking all week about must have been a good wedding oh but, yeah and that is going to get some major play and I, I tell you what i know he's a leader but i see him barking on the sidelines to those to those offensive linemen and screaming at them and they're like they're like wow he's a great leader I, i'm looking at those guys look like they're ignoring them it really looked like there was a complete disconnect. There was no magic from Tom Brady today. And it, it felt like the beginning of the end with that guy. And and Sean, Sean Payton in the pregame show actually had some poignant words about Tom Brady saying that he was shocked that he wasn't able to fly back after the wedding and still fly to Pittsburgh with the team and all this stuff. And, and yeah. That's a good point. But Dave, let's talk about the pass defense at patchwork secondary. What were your thoughts? Well, as long as you're talking about the secondary and not the middle linebackers covering the pass, um, I have a lot of great things with that secondary. I thought James Pierre really stepped up and played a very nice game for the Steelers. Uh, I don't know that he he just he might be that guy that you need in in waiting. For if there's an injury, I don't know that he's an every game, every down guy, but for for this game, every down except for when he got the stinger, I feel like he did a, a great job. And those were some of the things that that you could get excited about with James Pierre last year before he ended up getting getting benched for for Spoon. So that was really nice to see. And I, th the biggest of them all, I have to say, is Terrell Edmonds just kind of back there. He, I, I feel like he was doing more the Minka Fitzpatrick role in this game. He was kind of keeping it all together, doing the communication, coming up and making big plays, and just all, all of them together. I, I thought they did way above what was expected because, I mean, especially coming from someone who changed their prediction and thought that the Bucs were going to put up 35 points because of the secondary based on the injury report on Friday. Talk about exceeding expectations. They did a great job. Well, we knew James Pierre had potential. Yeah. I mean, that, that guy was slated to be a starter last season, and uh, he filled in for Joe Hayden in the past. Maybe he's just that next guy that can come in, but he showed a lot. I agree with you, Dave. And I think that Terrell Edmonds, I said it, it to Dave when we were sitting there. I said, the dude keeps playing like this. He needs to get another contract. Yep. Keep him and Minka together. That safety tandem is they, they seem to trust one another. They work well together. And anyone that's saying that Terrell Edmonds hasn't improved, I don't know. You're watching a different game. You're watching a different game than I am because I see this guy getting better every single year in, in his run support and his ability to understand the defense. Brian, go ahead. I just want to say one thing. Could we stop the narrative that he was a number one pick? Could we just forget about the fact that he was a number one pick and he's not doing number one pick things for a lot of people? I saw that in a comment um, over the weekend. And I don't care where he was picked. The way he's in right now, I feel the man's playing at a Pro Bowl level. 
I don't think he would be selected, but I would love to see him get a nod for the way he is keeping things together back there. Yeah. I mean, and and let's give credit to Trey Norwood. That's a seventh round pick. That's a seventh rounder. And I remember Mike Tomlin was so excited when they drafted him thinking, this is like a seventh round pick. What are you doing? What are you talking? He called him the Swiss army knife and all this stuff. Hey, the secondary did it this week. And I love that Mike Tomlin, that was the one thing he kind of reiterated over and over again in his post-game press conference. It was just this week. He said, we we won this game. They, they, they haven't turned the proverbial corner or anything like that. But let's talk about the run defense. That's always been a cause for concern with Steeler fans. They hold the Tampa Bay rushing attack to 75 yards on 26 carries, a 2.9-yard average. Leonard Fournette, 21 carries for 63 yards. Uh, Rashad White, four for 12. And Tom Brady, one for zero when he was stuffed on a quarterback sneak on, I think it was third and short. So uh, what are you all thoughts on the rushing defense? Looked better. They were without Leal. Isaiah Loudermilk gets a helmet. Uh, When you're looking at the tackles, Miles Jack, eight tackles, six solos. Terrell Edmonds, I said this earlier, had 10 total tackles. He led the team. Trey Norwood is third with five tackles and five solo. Devin Bush, five for four. Larry Ogunjobi, five tackles, three solo, one tackle for loss, two quarterback hits. That guy was playing like a man possessed. Guys, what are your thoughts on the run defense? Brian, we'll start with you. When this game started out, I believe maybe it was the uh, the second the second drive, and I saw Fournette getting going, and he had White going a little bit. I mean, just at the beginning, but it seemed they really clamped down in the second half of that game. And it just to me, it's like I wasn't worried about you know third and short anymore. I just felt like this was the Pittsburgh Steelers run defense that we've been hoping for today to keep him under a hundred yards. Fantastic. Sure. You did not get contribution. You did not have to deal with a running quarterback, but for this day and on this day, I'm just going to say that I wish it was physically possible for me to grow more thumbs, but I only have two. So I can only give you two thumbs up here, but if I possessed more, you get them defense. (laughs) All right, Dave, what are your thoughts on the run defense? Yeah, well, the first thing you could say is, well, they gave up 75 yards to the Bucs that were only averaging 66 yards a game anyway. So, no, they did a nice job. They did what they needed to do. And as something I said is I was the one who was doing the tweets for the BTSE account during the game today, that it seemed like it was either a stuff or one-yard gain or a one-yard loss, and then they'd bust one out. But that's kind of – as someone responded on Twitter, that's what happens when you're, when you're basically selling out to stop the run. Every once in a while, if you don't make that play, they're going to bust it for a decent gain. But those plays were, were much fewer and farther, farther between than the ones that the Steelers made the nice, impressive stops in the run game. I thought, especially on some of those key downs, my goodness, on you know third and short, and they come up and get them for a loss. That – what was it? Was it was it that first and goal with the – and I don't know, whatever it was at the two, that, that whole that whole sequence was sequence that, that Jeff's like, I'm putting this whole thing in the article. Cam Hayward gets him down just shy of the goal line. Burnett, then Larry O comes through, busts him up for a loss. And then they get the sack on Brady. That just kind of summed up what they had to do. They got the stops in big moments in the run game today. Yeah. And you're not going to complain. I mean, they held, they held a team, hold a team. I don't care how Tampa yeah. Bay runs the ball anyways. Everything you heard from Tampa and you follow, like you listen to our Know Your Enemy podcast, it was always that they're just not leaning on the run enough. They can run it, but they just choose to throw it more. That's not my fault. Steelers did their job. Run defense did theirs. Monster, 
giving us the, the 499 in the questionable comment. <laughs> he said, do you think Robert Kraft has to get his massages at the team facility like Watson has to? Either way, <laughs> glad he could help distract Tom Brady. Thank you for the tip, Monster, and the chuckle. I appreciate that. Uh, it's always good. It's always good to be Tom Brady. It's always good to be Tom Brady. Now, typically, and well, let's let's recap the defense by talking about the coaching staff. We did that with the offense. We kind of bemoaned Matt Canada and the brain farts that the Steelers have defensively this defensive plan was pretty impressive uh and and it worked this week brian what are your thoughts on the coaching on the defensive side of the ball wow i if we were given grades a plus i i thought this was schemed well that like mike tomlin said we you know we had to go ahead and play to the strengths of the guys that we had back there couldn't get cute they didn't they everything was done so well in this game and one guy that he mentioned in the press conference as well was robert spillane that didn't just play middle linebacker he played defensive back he played uh, he mentioned a couple positions that he had to play in this game today and it was just an overall great use of all of your utility players of all of your guys there was a lot of coaching done in that facility on the defensive side this week it was not just coaching, but it was teaching. So hats off to all of those guys. One question was asked of Mike Tomlin also that I took note of. And it was like, well, Brian Flores seems to be a behind-the-scenes guy and an architect. What were his contributions today? And Mike Tomlin shut that reporter up in a hurry by saying it was a collective effort from every single person involved on the staff. Good point. Dave, thoughts on the coaching staff on the defensive side? Yeah, I'm trying to remember that question. If that question is from the reporter, I was thinking the Mets of reporter that he likes to shut down. Uh, but yeah, that might be a different well, question if, I'm, if be, I'm recalling. Uh, would that be a question from the worldwide leader in sports? <laughs> yeah, it might, it might be. Because <laughs> <laughs> he did it again. with He did it He did it more than once in this press conference uh, from the same person. Anyway, but, okay, what was the question again? <laughs> I had coaching staff, there. final thoughts on the okay, coaching staff. On, on defense? defense? Yes. Defense is Wow. I, I, I was critical of Robert Splane because during the game, like, for example, the, the Buccaneers come up, they have a false start. They're, so they're, instead of first and 10, they're first and 15. Tom Brady gets them right back to the line, just like they're running the same play. He, he saw something he liked. I know. He saw something he liked. He saw a matchup on Robert Spillane that he liked, and he went after it. That's who they were looking for a lot. And I, but I will tell you this. This, what exactly Brian was bringing up the coach Tomlin said is that they used they they used the 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 formations and what they did on defense in a different way with Robert Spillane that it wasn't always just as easy to just go at him they mixed it up enough to make a difference yeah I mean I've been asking and I I think I, I said this on my podcast my I hate to plug it so much but I just think about this stuff as I said it my Let's Ride podcast every Monday, Wednesday and Friday was they needed to do something that fit the scheme of their players and that's exactly yeah. what they did. Here's who you have available. You can't ask Trey Norwood to be Minka Fitzpatrick. You can't ask James Pierre to do a thing something that Akello Witherspoon could do. Maybe he could, I don't know. But still, you got to keep it in perspective. I thought they did a great job working a a really good plan. And it's not easy to confuse Tom Brady. It really isn't. That guy has seen everything. But, man, it's just phenomenal. Phenomenal defensive coaching. I give a lot of kudos to all the all the members of the coaching staff. There you go. Brian, were you trying to say something? Yeah, Jeff, don't ever do that again. 
Do Don't what? ever say that, you know, I hate to plug my show. Yeah, plug your show. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. You can only hear all of our individual shows. Brian's Bad Language, My Let's Ride, Dave's Stat Geek podcast can only be heard on our audio side. So wherever you get your podcast, all you have to do is search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You get all these shows that are not a part of YouTube or Facebook. So keep that in mind. You might want to check it out. All right, let's talk about the special teams. Normally, we kind of avoid special teams because it's kind of like, well, you know, Chris Boswell made this kick, whatever. But we have to talk about it today based on one returner, Steven Sims. The guy was shot out of a cannon multiple times. He had a great punt return. He had three punt returns for 23 yards, 7.7 yard uh, average, 24 yard long. The one that everyone's going to talk about are the, are the kick returns. He had three returns for 112 yards, a three, 37.3 average, but that long of 89, I guess he caught it at the one. An 89-yard long just got caught at the 10. Let's talk about kickers. Two for two for Boswell, a long of 55, and he needed every inch of that 55 yards because it's stoinked off the crossbar and in. Presley Harvin, five punts, average 44.2. Inside the 20, at two and a long of 53. What did you all think of the special teams today? Brian, we'll start with you. I had nothing bad to say about the special teams whatsoever. That includes... Uh, every stretch of the game and i the best part is i didn't have to see the chomping of gum on the side <laughs> by old danny boy over there so you know as far as everything goes it was great steven sims i think he has cemented himself in that role where there was a there has been a lot of excitement the past couple of years with guys that you think are gonna break one and i think he seems like the candidate to really break one right now and our very own Andrew Wilbar, who was, who in our Slack channel a couple of weeks ago was personally offended. And in his exact words, I'm hurt that they haven't played Steven Sims yet. Well, we're going to hear it now about how excited he was and how right he was about Steven Sims. And I tell you what, I'll give you credit because Steven Sims came in and if he can give them a burst for the rest of the season, then that is a pretty good thing to have. Dave, thoughts on the special teams? Yeah, there was. It's funny because there was times early on where the Steelers got pinned a little bit further back because on a kick return, they there was already guys in his face before he got to the fifteen yard line, and we're like, "Come on!" And then Sims breaks one, and then he had the punt return, and you didn't have the shanked punts. You had a you had a punt where they were going from their snapping from their own four yard line where, where, where big press was standing on the end line and he gets it across midfield and the coverage was good to keep him on the other side of midfield. Um, things, things of that na nature, the, the, the favorable bounce, which I still said, Boz looked down, whether he was looking at his foot, his shoe, the ground, something wasn't quite all there with that long kick that made it where it wasn't even longer, but it was pigeon, Dave, he might've kicked a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. Well, because they said they seeded the field. So that the pigeons are out there. And the thing is maybe that caused, you know, those, those loose grass seeds, grass seed to, to slide a little bit, but pigeon that was crap was near the ball or something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He could have, he could have <laughs> slid on, on pigeon poo. Um, all, all kinds of crazy stuff. All in all the special teams, I thought they I thought they did a nice job, including on their coverages. Yeah, I, I thought the only thing that made me mad was early in the game, and I tweeted this that the Steelers return team, Steven Sims caught a ball. And I know this is not like Gunner O when he was back there earlier in the season. He caught a ball, makes the first guy miss. That's the number one rule of a returner, especially on a punt return. If you can make the first guy miss, you can make something happen. And he's he's literally surrounded by black and gold jerseys that are in his way. 
Then go yeah. book somebody. Like, where's the return? Like, what you set up your return. Steven Sims does his job, and then he's stumbling in front of guys that are just kind of like, oh my gosh, the guy he made a miss. Did you see that play? And it's like, get out of the way. But still, I thought that it was great to see the special teams come through when they needed it. I was unbelievably angry uh, when they could not score a touchdown after the 90 yard return and settling for a field goal was one of the most deflating things I've ever seen. I mean, I'm sure that are, are you sure allowed to say deflating when they're playing Tom Brady? Yeah, you can. Actually. Okay. Just, just making sure it's in the bylaws. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but yeah, you, you think about it. Akersher stadium went from a fever pitch after an 89 yard return, almost for a touchdown to, Womp, 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 field goal, three points. It just Those, is off. Hey, the return, they, if they didn't get those three points there, who oh, knows yeah. how this game turns out? Oh, and yeah. it was set up by the return. So, yes, it was disappointing to not get seven, but you got to give those, those three points to the special teams. And if you know anything about Mike Tomlin, a big return, you've got a ticket for the rest of the season. He has kept <laughs> returners from preseason returns all year and still use them. So I don't think there's any way that Sims is going to, uh, barring injury. Uh, that he's going to not be in the lineup for the foreseeable future over Gunner O. So, all right, let's do some final thoughts here to wrap this show up. Brian, we'll start with you. Go ahead. All right. First and foremost, I'm wearing a blue shirt today, and I decided to – my jerseys haven't been working today, so I wore a shirt from the show Ted Lasso that just says Believe. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to have this clean every week for uh, until they lose again. So uh, hopefully I'm wearing this for a long, long time. Yeah, I got chili on it today. I don't know whether I should go ahead and uh, take it off. Go ahead and wash wash it it now. Keep it going. So but this was an unbelievable feeling and something I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks when they were mired in that four game losing streak was why would you want to give up? Because we watch these games for this feeling and i sat watching the game with my son who never watches the game with me um i think aliens have you know taken him over and reprogrammed his brain because all of a sudden he's interested in watching the penguins and now the steelers and commenting and he's picking it up just and then asking me some questions here and there so to share that game with my son today was just absolutely amazing And that's the feeling that I think I remember from way back when I watched games with my dad when I was a kid and I got into them. I remember a game in 1980 against the Cleveland Browns. They came back to win and he jumped up in the air and accidentally hit the plaster ceiling with his fist and cut his knuckles. And we were laughing about it because he was so excited. And those are the kind of feelings. I had a great day with my son and it's because you're rooting for a team that lost four straight and were one and four, but we still believed. And it felt so awesome. So I don't care about next season. I care about this season. And I want to keep on believing. All right. Dave Schofield, final thoughts. Yeah, that's right, Brian. You you don't stop believing. All right. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help that. All right. Final thoughts. The first half of this game. With four minutes and 38 seconds left, the Pittsburgh Steelers were were trying to get a field goal when one Kevin Dotson wasn't on the field. They ultimately had to take a timeout to then go out and hit that 55-yard field goal with four minutes and 12 seconds left. That was one possession for the Steelers. 
They got two more possessions in that time, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got two possessions in that time over the last four minutes and 38 seconds when that debacle was going on. Fast forward to the second half of the last four minutes and 38 seconds. The Pittsburgh Steelers get the ball, and they never give it back. That, to me, was ultimately what this game was going to come down to. Can the Steelers find a way and convert these big third down and longs, you know, be able to run the ball somewhat efficiently? Mitch Trubisky willing in his way, you know, rolling out. And even though the clock's not running when it was supposed to be, uh, Chase Claypool getting that that great catch, which the clock should have ran that down to the two-minute warning because his elbow was down and bounds, but oh well. Um, but those kind of things, that's a look at the difference between halves. And the, the end of the first half, it was possessions back and forth, back and forth. But that second half, the Steelers said, we've got a two-point lead. We're going to sit on it. We're going to get it done. And they did. And they did. We haven't given enough credit on this show. Kind of overlooked. Devin Bush knocking down that two-point conversion. That was a great play. That that's that was a, a big difference in the game. Now, were the Steelers able to move down? And they were in field goal range at the end when they're taking a knee, which would have been nice if that would have happened. Who knows how it would have played out? But that was a huge play for them at that moment. And I even brought up the question because there were some people wondering, should the Steelers have gone for two on that last touchdown? Because they were already up seven. Do you kick one to make it eight? Or do you try to go up by two scores? And a lot of the numbers say that you would go for two there to go for two scores because chances are a team when they score aren't going to go for two to take the lead. They're probably just going to try to tie either way. But that made a huge difference that they did it because then then Tampa had to convert the two-point conversion. They did not. There's a lot of little things that didn't go the Steelers' way in this game, but even more that did. They found a way to win. They found a way to grit it out. They lost their quarterback. Their quarterback that got benched earlier in the season stuck with this team, shows why he's he's still a leader, and came in and got the job done. What's not to be excited about? Uh, tomorrow, we finally get a victory Monday. For those of you, get up and enjoy it. Yeah, Brian was celebrating a good game with his son. I had to answer questions from my four daughters about <laughs> why does that line on the field for all like those type of questions. But still, <laughs> why, uh, my you, final why are they kicking the ball? <laughs> <laughs> my final thoughts are this. Suck it, Tom Brady. I hate that guy. <laughs> I can't stand him. I went off on the preview about him. I'll probably go off again tomorrow on my Let's Ride podcast because I hate that guy. He is the biggest scumbag of them all. The Steelers win. I hope they never play him again so I can always relish in the fact that they beat him the last time they played him in Pittsburgh. Screw you, Tom Brady. Enjoy that L while you're partying with Robert Kraft after the wedding. What's up, Dave? We did get a $1 super chat oh. from Heath Davis. Nothing in it, but his next comment was... Heath Davis. Will the steel? He's one of my ride or die crew. He always yeah. asks questions on the mailbag. He said, "Will the Steel Panther? What a horrible nickname, Heath! Stop calling him that." All right, that's <laughs> Kenny Pickett. Uh, will the Steel Panther ride again, or are we going to have to settle for Bisky business? I'm digging the Pickett to Pickens attorney at ball. Oh, the play on words just never ends. There you go. <laughs> like Steel Panther. Uh, uh, yeah, that oh, makes two. Oh, wait, Wilson, we got another Wilson one. Pava chiming in with 999. Feels good to beat Brady. Feels good to win. Feels good to watch as a part of Steelers Nation. Y'all rock at BTSE. Keep it up. Thank you, Wilson. Always, never, never take a win over Tom Brady for granted. So, all right, there you go. We'll be actually, we won't be back. Who's going to be back next week after the I'll Sunday be here game? next week. 
Dave will be there orchestrating some form of post game show. We've got to figure all that out. Yeah. We'll figure it out and let you know, but Steelers win. That's all you got to know. We'll see you next time. Everybody else gets a little tight. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.